This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Here we are in the manly Warthog Man Cave in the piney woods of north central Florida in God's country. Sunny day today. Very nice day. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll get out and enjoy it, too. Uh, we are, of course, in the Melvin Law Studio, which is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gators, whom we're going to talk about here in a minute. And uh, full-service legal firm protected by, of course, crime prevention 24-7, 365, and sponsored by all the great R.R. Construction, for example, Shoot GTR, Style Cuts, uh, all state insurance, poser medical, you know, you name it, you'll see it. And we appreciate the support you people give us who are quiet donors. We really use that due to a lot of our investigations. Well, 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 good morning, Don Printer Bailey in here, Pat Stewart, Doug Whitaker, Brenda Dole in here early to class, by golly. Well, <clears throat> we got our open line today and you can call in and sound off much as you want, you know. It's 352-707-9101, and I'm going to sound off because I stayed up to watch that fiasco last night, which was the uh, Gator football team. Now, let's let's set the stage here a little bit. I've been watching the Gator football team, or some version of it, since 1961. I know an awful lot about the ins and outs of Gator football, plus over the years have known personally a lot of the players and and uh, helped recruit some of the ones for um, the year that we had uh, John Reeves and that bunch. And, of course, knew the coaches. <clears throat> had Coach Graves' daughter in my class at Gainesville High. Coached at Gainesville High with the big one, Coach Jim Noblack. Um. Couldn't coach today, by the way, because guys of my generation know that you can't do what we did. I, I, I just, you can't do it. And I can see it. I can see the absence of our style of coaching on that field last night. Now, let me, let me just say a couple, everything is my opinion from here on. And you can call in. In fact, I encourage you to do so if you want and amend it or uh, dispute it. My reservation about the coach we have now of the Gators at Pierre is that he's too intellectual. And that's something to say that a coach is intellectual or overthinks it, or overanalyzes it. Let's go back to what this game basically is. 
It's a barroom brawl. Now, of course, you need a good trainer in the boxing ring. There's a difference between a barroom brawl and a real boxer. But still, the mentality, I'm going to beat your butt. And you're going to be hurting if I don't and wish you hadn't got entangled with me. That's where we came at it from. Very basic. And the battle begins in the pit and the line. I watched the line. I don't watch the receivers. I don't watch the quarterback. I watched that line. The line was dismal last night. Dismal. Both sides. Horace. Inexplicable. Except that somebody had drilled these people and drilled them and drilled them and drilled them and drilled them and drilled them. I remember one time, well, it just, these things float across my memory. I was in charge of the offensive line on the varsity and I was in charge of getting the JV guys ready to be on the varsity. So it was all run kind of like a Marine camp. If we felt you didn't block the way we thought you could block, we'd line up two blocking dummies. We'd put you on one end of it. And we'd put the whole dang team on the other end of it. Coming through that that, that tunnel. And you would hit, and you would hit, and you would hit, and you would hit, and you would hit. And they keep coming, and you keep hitting, and they keep coming, and you keep hitting. Drill, drill, drill. Until you can do it in sleep. Now, I don't know if they're doing that down on the Gator Field. They have got every luxury known to man. We were the opposite. We took away the luxuries. We dug a pit beside the gym. Get in there and fight. We had rope climbing beams. We had truck axles that we made in the leg press, and we deliberately put them in the sand with sand spurs around them. We never swept out the gym. Why sweep the gym out? The dadgum field ain't swept out. We didn't air condition the gym. I ain't been through it, but every year there's a new version of it. It's like a beauty parlor at that Florida Gator place. And it's like that old... They got every sensual delight known to man. Every instant gratification thing known to man. It's different. That's what I'm saying. It's different. You can see it, the confusion. 
and where to go. When, and let me tell you something else that's happened. When I go back to over-intellectualized and overthinking, I can't tell you how many times, in fact, I may, there's maybe no exception, how many times I saw the quarterback for the Gators standing, looking to the sideline coaches to be told what to do. The team had no rhythm. No rhythm. Sports is all about rhythm. And, you know, in, in, in tennis, we try to take you out of your rhythm. In boxing, we take it, try to take you out of your game. Out of what you have moves you like to do. We keep the rhythm. We, we run the show. We run the rhythm. There was no rhythm. And it ain't going to change. It's weird. It's really weird. The analytical nature. It's a game. Now, we had a little moments. We had a couple good receivers. Basically, that's it. Right now, and I don't, I don't think it'll get any better. Because the guys are going to get bigger and better and better coach to come to play the game, except this bunch next time, probably. You're welcome to call in and tell me I'm absolutely full of it. Yes, it was basic training, Ken. It was basic training. And you know, another thing about the guys I coach with, they'd all been in war. They had been in World War II or they'd been in the Korean War. And they'd been Marines or and they brought that whole philosophy to the game. I asked one of the guys who, a good friend of mine, who played for Vince Lombardi. I said, what was it about Vince Lombardi that was different from all the other coaches? And he played for coming up through high school and all that. He said, Warthog, Vince Lombardi is able to convince you and your grown men that when the ball is kicked off, the communists are coming to rape your mother on the 50-yard line. Really? That's my kind of guy. Yeah, that's what you want. The communists are coming to rape your mother on the 50-yard line. Because it is a territorial acquisition game. We take your land. We take your land. That's what it's basically about. And we keep it. You know, look at all the taunting that goes on. The FSU Indian comes in and throws his spear down. Or you stomp on the other team's insignia. I don't know. I just don't. You know, people don't remember this about Urban Meyer. 
when Urban Meyer came here, when Urban Meyer came here, spring game, okay, I'm up on the stands. And up in the stands, I see something that we never let the public see on our coaching field. We had a saying, what goes on here stays here. You don't take this out to the public because they don't understand. Urban Meyer, in his first spring game, had Bull in the Ring. Right there in front of the civilians. And I poked the guy I was sitting with. I said, my God, he's doing bull in the ring here publicly. Now, bull in the ring, we put the guy in the middle. We put everybody else around him. And anybody who wants to could come out and take a shot at him. One at a time, two at a time, three, whatever. And he's supposed to block him, knock him back. Can get pretty rough. The other thing that Meyer did, the guys he thought were slackers, he had on the sideline, he didn't let them in the spring game. They were doing sit ups, they had ankle chains on. Had ankle chains on. Now, Meyer came in here from Utah. Utah, that's who they played last night, Utah. Came in here from Ohio. Which is important for you to understand the next point I'm going to make. I looked down at the end zone. He had a black player, wasn't playing, carrying a big, heavy, Medicine ball, I assume, it was round and heavy. Up the stadium steps was some sort of chain around his leg. The guys he didn't think were tough enough or good enough, they didn't get in the game. Now, it's true. What kind of guys did he have here? He had some bad dudes. Fran Kersey had some bad dudes. Fran Kersey really had a collective at Tampa long before there was a collective. He had a transfer portal long before there was a transfer portal. And he brought in Matusak, who'd been kicked out of Missouri. He brought in Sammy Gilderstead, who had been kicked out of Alabama. Kicked out. Ron Michelucci, offensive lineman later for the Bears. Noah Jackson, great offensive lineman. Well, somebody went to Mark. He never did it again publicly and said to him, Coach Meyer, you're in the South. You're in the South. 
for a white guy, white coach, to have a black player carrying a rock with up a stadium step with a chain on his leg. You want to rethink that? Now, it's interesting. That's very interesting. So, has that been part of the intellectualization of the game? Kind of hands off by the white coaches and the black players? Because the teams are basically black. And the coaches are basically white. Not always, but enough that you can notice it. If you think I'm up the wrong tree with this, 352-707-9101, the Gators are in disarray. They are totally confused. They're over, I won't say coached, because I don't think they're coached very well, but they're not allowed to think for themselves. Let's put it that way. Now, let me tell you some things that you may know already that have been told to me by people who know, who've given me permission to say it. I may be off a few numbers here. The University of Florida Gator quarterback is paid $21,000 a season to be the quarterback. The linemen are paid six thousand. The collective money that the University of Florida has to pay these players with is about six million. Georgia. Twenty, maybe thirty million. Alabama. My numbers are off a little bit, is because they were telling me this in my ear, but it's big numbers. Alabama, twenty-five, twenty-six million. The Gator Bank, if you will, which is called the Collective, is basically broke. It can't buy the players that Georgia can buy, that LSU can buy, and is buying, that Alabama can buy. And the story I'm getting is that the University of Florida Gators boosters and all that are are sort of never been accustomed to approaching the game this way and therefore don't ante up. That's interesting because they ran off Charlie Pell 
for paying, I think, a child support payment for Williams over in Palatka, if I remember right. Charlie Pell was a great football coach. Charlie Pell put the best collection of athletes on Florida Field I've ever seen. I mean, come on. Lomas Brown. Neil Anderson. Are you kidding me? A great team. The other coaches couldn't stand it around the SEC. The SEC is no more. And it's getting ready to be even more chaotic. Because it's all being driven by television. Why were the Gators on last night on a Thursday? Because they opened the college football season. This was supposed to be a big splash for the Gators. The Gators are going to make this big splash. And then they were going to be able to buy more players. More players want to come through the transfer portal. Ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. It was a horrible night. University of Florida. Now, as I read the comments out on the social media pages, I'm beginning to sound like all the other comments that you have heard every time there's been a coaching flop at the university, which has been more often than not. Until when I came here in 61, Florida had a reputation of a 7-3 and three team. Okay. Coach Graves was like Bobby Dodd, gentleman coach. He wasn't really hard-nosed the way Bryant was. Therefore, he'd never beat those guys, that kind of thing. That Tommy Shannon for quarterback and um, Tom Batten, I think was his name, until Steve came. And when Steve came, that changed the whole University of Florida program. And Steve, by the way, made up his own plays in the hub, called his own game. He might take suggestions from the coaches, but he called the shots. He made it happen, and the players rose to that leadership. There is no leadership on the Florida Gators. We got a guy in here It was three years at Wisconsin. Oh, he had to read up on Florida so he could find out a little bit about the legend. And what does this have to do with anything? Important. Well, It has to do, in my book, with the truth. The truth is, the game, as far as I'm going to present it to you as a hypothesis, you can do what you want to with it. The game has been taken out of the hands of the players. Now, the old-style coaching, the old-school coaching, 
left the game in the hands of the players. It was the players' game. They just have to live up to the standard of the coaches who had played. And they did. They wanted to be like them. Now we've got coaches that have never been to war. I don't mean to make that too important, but where do they get their training in violence? Where do they get it? How do they get their edge to them? It's different. It's different. And it's all about money. Not about the college. It's about TV and the money. Even the University of Florida women's basketball team can't compete. It needs a million-dollar bankroll from the collective. LSU has over a million to buy its players. We ain't going to compete with LSU. Love the coach. He's a good coach. She ain't going to compete with the South Carolinas and LSUs. Ever. Probably. So here the Gators are getting ready to build this huge new thing with fewer seats. The other side of the story is I must have been called by the Gator ticket office. In fact, I was just called the night before this last game. Because I have a ticket going back to 61. Okay, I don't have them now. Let them go. I don't, I didn't, I, you know, heck with it. Can't park. You know, same old crap. They move the games around. They don't care about you. They care about the TV. Well, hell, I just watched on TV then. They must have called me 10 times in the last two months. Don't you want your tickets back? We got a great seat for you. Don't you think you ought to? No, I don't think so. I don't think I'm interested. Well, come on. And they call, I believe it or not, they call the night before the game. Call me. Say, we got a great seat for you. I don't think so. Thank you. What do you mean? So this is odds and ends Friday. I think this is kind of odd that we've come to this place. And uh, kind of the ups and downs, the roller coaster rides of the athletic program at the university. And uh, it wasn't the best foot forward last night. We'll see what happens. You can't, we won't be able to tell anything next time. Then you'll be able to tell right quickly. And if Vanderbilt, I mean, let me just give you a, a litmus test here. If Vanderbilt beats Florida, the Ivy League school, the SEC, which is no longer the SEC, you know, not really. And they could. They could. So the name, image, and likeness, people say, what's that? Well, you get to make money off your name. You get to make money off any sim similarity to you, any image, so you can make some money there. You get paid 
through the collective, which is the it's not, the collective is not, not part of the athletic program. It's just a bank sitting over there on the side, kind of a, a, a it's not even credit. You don't have to pay it back. You just write a check out of it. And of course, then you bet all that will be worth it because you get on television and you'll get a return from being on TV. Looking at the chat line, we'll take a break for the weather here. I want to come back and talk about the Gainesville 8. Wow. Front page of the Gainesville Sunset today. Be right back on the Word Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Attention all Gator fans, Meldon Law is giving away a chance to experience the Florida Georgia game like never before. Two nights stay at the Hilton on the River, dinner at Ruth Chris Steakhouse, two premium tickets to the game, and a football signed by Coach Billy Napier, and much more. Go to the Melden Law Facebook page and look for the VIP experience for two. Good luck and go Gators! This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com. And click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help!
This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going. Uh, Lewis, Chevron Stations, 76 degrees right now. I'm told by my computer, I think it's actually warmer than that outside the compound. Going up to 88, maybe some chances of rain today, but nothing like we've had. Um, you know, we know what uh, the hurricane did to the Carolinas. Uh, it may make a run at Bermuda. For some reason I was thinking about Bermuda. And, of course, Bimini, I've been out there. Um, that's where Hemingway, Rhode Island's in, in the stream. Um, I'm looking at my meteorological report here to see if there's anything dynamic going on. It doesn't look as if there is. We just are getting ready to move into fall. And um, we had the blue moon. Took a picture of blue moon, posted it on the social media for you out here on the farm. So I'm going to say that we may be moving into a Labor Day weekend, tolerable. But in the central U.S., there will be a heat wave for Labor Day weekend. So that won't be us here in North Central Florida. Well, well, well. Scott Camille. I don't know if you all are getting up in years now. Remember, Scott Camille on the Gainesville 8. Surprising to me how many people don't know about it. Uh, the Gainesville 8 were uh, these Marines who had come back and uh, were anti-war um, and who caused a little bit of a, a ruckus. And uh, they were allegedly plotting to disrupt the 1972 Republican National Convention in Miami Beach. This is written by Ron Cunningham. I thought we'd put him out the pasture, but he still comes back now and then and does it. Pro- and Ron would know these guys. So uh, the uh, this was the Nixon era. And in 1973, we had a Gainesville 8 trial here. And the... Uh, thing that kind of messed it up for the government was that the government was hiding in a, as I remember this, a broom closet, listening to conversations going on uh, between the defendants and their attorneys and made a noise and the door opened and there they were. And this got everybody's ire up. Um, kind of set the stage for the showdown. And Larry Turner became the attorney for the Gainesville 8. I knew Larry Turner before the Gainesville 8. Larry Turner trained with who was arguably the best criminal attorney in town, Sally Golden. Sally Golden was the guy you wanted if you needed a criminal attorney. Unfortunately, Sally smoked about three packs a day and died all too young of lung cancer. But Larry Turner, so to speak, sat at Sully Golden's knee and learned a lot from him and became the attorney for the Gainesville 8 and got him off. And that became a national kind of pivotal turning point for some of the anti-war people. And, you know, this whole bit about Nixon and the break-in and all that, was uh, big news then. 
And it's really changed. This is what I'm interested in. It really changed the way the government was seen. By the left. In this era. The left didn't trust the government. Okay? The government was Republican. It was right wing, if you will. Nixon, hard line. Vietnam, aggressor. So, This is Camille's comment. And I think Ron Cunningham probably got it right. I guess that the government was used to intimidating people. Scott Camille talking. Vietnamese uh, veterans weren't the kind of guys you could intimidate, said Camille, noting the failure of the U.S. Department of Justice to get guilty verdicts in the Gainesville 8, the Chicago 7, the Camden 28, the Harrisburg 7 conspiracy trials. And Camille says we all stood up to him. Okay. Yesterday, I reported the day before, something like that, I lost track of time. That the Proud Boys, led by Cubans, who knew all too well what an oppressive left-wing government was, were confronting the United States government. Just exactly the way the Gainesville 8 did. Except they were lefties who saw the government as a bunch of cheaters. Larry Turner, in the article, said he became a hard left follower because of that. I know Larry real well. <laughs> in our buddies. I'm not a hard left. You know that. My question is, okay, you guys. The United States government right now, well, they just sent one guy away to the jug for 17 years. They're talking about sending the leader away for 33. And anybody else, they can throw the noose around and get away with it. Somewhere I've got the number of people that have done that. I think it's a 1,000. What's the difference? It's a left government now behaving worse than that Nixon government did. Obama, Biden, oh, 
Oh, Biden government is 10 times worse. You could argue. Than the Nixon government. Well, where the hell's Larry Turner's and Scott Camille's now? Why aren't they in the corner of the Proud Boys? I want to see if I can get them on the hook and find out why. What's the difference? You get my point. You get my point. If the government is corrupt, then, and you confronted it, why aren't you confronting it now? Because the government is more corrupt now, one can argue, than it was then. Why are you sitting on your hands? Why are you quiet? The government is more pervasive in false narrative creation now than I assure you it was then. Because I was around for that. Here's AP. More than a dozen people nationally have been charged with threatening election workers by a Justice Department unit trying to stem the tide of violent and graphic threats against people who count and secure the vote. Now, look, you know we've done investigation about voter fraud. B, why isn't the government looking into that? A dozen people nationally? We can show you a dozen people locally who voted illegally. Is Scott Camille, Larry Turner, and these guys going to stay quiet for this? Who's writing this? Who controls AMP? AP. The article says that the threats come in waves following social media posts. That's BS. You can't post anything on social media that survives because they take it down. We couldn't even question the narrative. They took it down. So odd. So odd to me. On odds and ends. A West Virginia resident pled guilty illegally voting in the 2020 election. This was announced Wednesday. According to Secretary of State Mac Warner, John Cooper pled guilty to voting twice during the 2020 presidential election. I, I will assure you there won a heck of a lot more than that. In addition to voting in West Virginia, Cooper, a former Randolph County resident, 
also cast a ballot in New Mexico. His guilty plea represents this year's second confirmed case in West Virginia of voter fraud. Buddy, I can tell you, there's a hell of a lot more there than that. Legislation enacted in West Virginia last year upgraded illegal voting from a misdemeanor to a felony. The Secretary of State, Mac Warner, in West Virginia, is among the country's most vocal critics of unlawful interference in U.S. elections. Well, that's what they're trying to say Trump did. Unlawfully interfered in the election. That's what they're... Unlawfully. Did he vote twice somewhere? Near as I can see, all he said was find me some more votes. Oh. Did he say by the official decree of the President of the United States of America, I hereby order you to, no, didn't say that. Odd. Seems odd to me, but may not seem odd to you. The race call. USA Today. The world's biggest social media platforms are not just hosting anti-Semitic and hateful content. They are promoting it and making it easier to find. That's the conclusion of two studies which uh, claim that YouTube lets go hateful comments if it depicts them being made by so-called white supremacists therefore helping to smear white, so-called white supremacists or takes them down if they tend to exonerate so-called white supremacists. Kind of interesting. I don't find that too difficult to believe. Do you? Odds and ends. Odds and ends. Crime is destroying retailers in big cities and it's just about come to an end for those retailers. Lost product inventory 
Washington Examiner carrying this. You've seen this story. Stealing. To the extent that even the gangs that go in and steal and get away with it are really organized. The National Retail Federation, which is the world's largest retail trade association, found that in 2021, retail, the retail shrink amounted to a $94.5 billion loss. Now, the examiner points out that that is nearly equivalent to the entire annual budget of the state of Florida. And now it's up over a $100 billion loss and growing. Brazen acts, which range in scope and scale, smash and grab, all the way up to transnational gangs coming in across the open border. Brazen, open acts of shoplifting, causing threats to employees and shoppers with impunity. So retail theft is causing now neighborhoods to change quite drastically. Some stores are just trying to scale back their hours of being open, while others are pulling up stakes and leaving the area, which is, of course, lost tax revenue. And in a town like this one here in Gainesville, any lost tax revenue is uh, not good. So drug addiction is part of this behavior. Fentanyl, it's kind of a perfect storm. And this is beginning to impact particularly big cities right now. But I think, you know, we've got some of that going on here. I haven't looked into it real closely, but we've got some going on right here. The governor of Nebraska signed a executive order that single-sex spaces for women's sports, bathrooms, and changing rooms. And he did it to protect the kids and the women's athletics. It is Executive Order 2316, known as the Women's Bill of Rights. And it says that biological differences between the sexes are enduring and may in some circumstances warrant the creation of separate social, educational, athletic, or other spaces to ensure safety. This order further says 
there are legitimate reasons to distinguish between the sexes with respect to athletics, prisons, or other detention facilities, domestic violence shelters, rape crisis centers, locker rooms, restrooms, and other areas for biology, safety, and our privacy are implicated. So, of course, the state's Democratic state senator, Megan Hunt, said, there's no executive order that can erase trans people. They have always existed and always will. But according to the Nebraska executive order, a female is an individual whose biological reproductive system is designed to produce ova. A male is defined as someone whose biological reproductive system is designed to fertilize the ova of a female. There you go. There you go. How to control gender ideology. How to control it. And the oddest thing, perhaps, that I've come across, but, you know, we all, my generation, grew up on James Bond. So I'll let you figure out how odd it is. The Russian mercenary. Brzozokson, I guess, is how you pronounce his name. May still be alive. There is a video released Thursday that purports to show the leader alive in Africa. He says, for those who are discussing whether I'm alive or not, how I'm doing, right now it's the weekend. Second half of August 2023. I'm in Africa, he said. (laughs) Who do you believe? Notice the way it's carefully worded. The second half of August. Hmm. The story is it was his body double flying on the plane that went down. He was not on it. We know, according to our article here, um, in the Daily Mail, that the dude had a propensity for using body doubles Disguises, fake passports with his picture on them. Go figure. I doubt, though, there'll be any credence to this notion that he faked his own death. I doubt. It's just me that there will be 
another video dated showing him alive or that there was a second jet that landed safely. The last four digits of the registration number of the plane that went down were 2795. Rigosin's plane was registered RA02795. However, a second jet, a legacy 650 aircraft, reportedly touched down at the airport about the same time. Supposedly, this guy was a master at creating disinformation. Maybe he worked for the old Biden administration. We've got people that are great at creating misinformation too, don't we? Caliber Coffee, based family firearms and coffee, free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Well, thank you for enduring my analysis of the world right now on Odds and Ends Friday. Have a great weekend. Warthog Command Center out.